we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given unto us to be called sons and daughters of the living God. We worship you. Glory be to your name, Father. Blessed be the name. We worship you. We just honor you. We adore you in all of you. Amen. In Jesus' name we have worshipped. Amen. Thank you. Let's be seated. We're welcome and thank you for coming. I hope the work of today is not too stressful. But I believe you are here because the grace of God is available. Hallelujah. So we'll um, talk briefly and I believe we can spend more time in praying. Um, just to do a small recap on what we um, share uh, on Sunday. Uh, we talked about um, the intention of God from the beginning of the creation of the word was to make us his clone, to make us like him. He actually said in Genesis 1, 26, which is where we began the discussion from, that let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So his intention was verbalized. It was clear. It was not a hidden agenda. He told us what he wanted to do. Um, for some reasons, over the ages, um, I have come to see um, that for whatsoever reason, maybe because it's just human nature or human limitations, I don't know. But if I paint some scenario to you, you see that even in Christianity from the beginning, um, it is almost as if that is an illusion. It's almost as if... That is not real. It's like it's, it's, um, it's like it's a myth, you know, something too good to be true. Um, we see God as God, someone to be reverent, someone to be feared. Um, and if we let's let's look at it from the time of the children of Israel. Remember the story of the children of Israel when God appeared unto Israel, Israelites. And um, there was thundering, there was lightning, there was all this stuff. And God spoke from heaven to the children of Israel. And guess what? It was the same intention. God, right from the beginning, you know, have been cultivating the idea of being with us. He made us like himself. But what did the children of Israel do? They told Moses, please, don't let him talk to us anymore directly. Let him talk to you. Then you come talk to us. These are the children of God. God in his own plan. Right from the Garden of Eden, the Bible says he will come down to the Garden to fellowship with Adam. 
he wanted to do from the beginning. It has not changed. And so, he said, don't, don't, don't let him talk to us. Amen. Can you imagine the president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, or let's use the past president, Barack Obama. I want to use Sasha, for example. Because the president of the United States is the most powerful person in the entire world, you know, quote and unquote. That's our you know, slogan in Nigeria, in America, right? Imagine Sasha to be saying, because my father is too powerful, is the president of the United States of America, you know, and then Sasha would not want to come close to Barack because indeed he's powerful. At a flip of a switch, he can launch a missile that can wipe, wipe out maybe half of the world, depending on where you turn it. So because of that power, that aura, imagine Sasha now, you know, feeling uncomfortable or dreadful of his father or her father. So I don't know how this happened, but I, you know, it, it seems there is somewhere that it has been programming us, right? I don't know, to not understand what God is seeking for. God is great. He's mighty. He's powerful. But yet, he wants to dwell with us, in us. Come to the, to the New Testament. When Jesus met Peter. And after the small preaching, you know, borrowed him, his boat. And, um, you know, when he finally caught so many fish, what was his, what was his next sentence? Please, depart from me. I, you, you, you don't want to come near me. He has been with you in the boat all along. Now, why all of a sudden now? Because you saw the power. You saw the majesty. You saw the miracle. All of a sudden now, oh, I'm, I'm too sinful. I'm too sinful. You don't want to come near me. I do not understand why. But this is in Christianity. I'm not talking of unbelievers. This is the supposed children of God whom he had created in his own image to be like him, craving that fellowship, and it's like we're always pushing away. Either because we think, oh, I'm too simple. He is too powerful. I don't know. Either of those things, we factor in and we see that. And I'm trusting God that we got, 
you know, an epiphany in such a way that we will understand what God truly wants. Because he is not a hidden agenda. He made it very clear what he wants. I'm making man in my image after my own likeness. I want you to be like me. He made it clear. And when Jesus came into the scene, he helped us to try to understand what it is that God is doing. He said, I am my father. We are one. You can imagine how many people asked him. The Pharisee, the first time he said in John 10, they took up stone. They want to stone him. He said, how dare you make yourself equal with God? When he said, I and my father were one. When he said it to Thomas, Thomas couldn't understand. Philip said, I don't understand that. Show us the father. So in all of Christianity, right from Genesis up till our time today, I see that this reality is not done on us. And it is really hindering what God intended from the beginning. God desired right from the beginning to create himself and recreate himself in multiple fashion to multiply himself on the surface of the earth. That was the intention. So that everywhere you look, you see God. Why do I know that? Because that's exactly what's going to happen at the end of the rapture. Where are we going to spend our eternity? In his presence. What he intended from the beginning is going to happen. It is going to happen. We are going to be face to face. That's rapport that he is looking for. It's still going to be what we manifest at the end of the day. And it can happen now. And that's what I think God is intending to do. He is not waiting for us to wait till eternity. No. He is still intending for us to do it now. To make it happen now. And that's what we are studying. That's what we are trying to understand. That Jesus is saying, I and my father, we are one. And I am trusting that as we pray today, that God will remove the veil from our eyes and we begin to see there is no if but. There is no if but. I and my father, we are one. No if but. So as we, you know, as long as we continue to look with this veil that has been from the beginning, We're not going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We have to agree with what God has done, what he has said, what he had created. It's not going to change whether I believe it or not. It is what it is. I and my father, we are one. Let me give you a physical example, for example. You know, Padre Emilet is gone now, Right? Um, when he gave birth to me, uh, he produced me, right, through, you know, wherever, for children's sake. <laughs> so, so when I came out of him, while, while I was so little, there were some thing, things in him that were also in me. 
right? Biology calls it DNA, right? Okay? So there were some things that my dad could do. Even though the DNA is in me, I couldn't do it when I was little. Is that true? I mean, for example, when him and my mom played, something happened, produced me. I couldn't do that when I was young. But was that DNA, the capability to do it, was it in me since, the, since birth or not? It's been there. But at that point, I couldn't do it. Okay? So my father used to go to, you know, my father was a headmaster. But he, he loves uh, game. You know, he had this big gun um, that I like. <laughs> so he used to go to the, you know, farm to game, to hunt. I would go with him sometimes, and I want to shoot the gun. I couldn't. It, I mean, it's, it's so heavy. It's double, you know, those the double double barrel gun is what they call it. You cock it, you pull those. So, you know, so when he, you know, even if he gives to me, I mean, it's so heavy that I couldn't carry it. You know, but I want to shoot it because my dad was doing it. I want to do it. And I think the capability was there. I'm just not of age. At some point, I became a soldier. Right? I could fire a machine gun. There was a time I couldn't hold that gun, let alone firing it. But the seed was there. The capability was there, right? So the Father, our God is great, is mighty, no doubt. He's the creator of the universe. But he has decided right from the beginning that he wants you and I to be like him. He created us exactly that way. And he puts everything in us. The problem is because, you know, I don't know. Again, from that eye, the veil. We keep looking at it as it's, it's impossible. I cannot be like God. There's something telling us it is impossible. Because we look at his majesty. Amen? Amen? Amen. But Jesus came specifically and he said, look, I am he. When they, tell us your father. Who is your father? Who is your father? Tell us who your father is. He? The same that I've told you in the beginning. You are looking at him. I am him. Repeatedly, have you seen me and you are still asking for my father? Why, are you, why do you keep asking for my father? If you have seen me, you have seen my father. Do you know today, many Christians, we still don't, we still think maybe Jesus was just bluffing. We still have it behind our mind that we're going to see a God with double head or three head or, I don't know. Jesus was saying to the people, you were looking at God. This is God. My father and I were one. That's what he created. That generation did not believe it. And I'm, I'm trusting that we will. And that's the whole point behind this message. That we will just allow him to drive that into our consciousness. And you walk about every day knowing that I and my father were one. Knowing that you are God. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. He said he considered it not robbery. 
to be equal with God. Why? Because he was. He was God. How could that be robbery? This pastoral dexterity or, or whatever form of humility that we're trying to frame to think that saying what God has already said it is going to be wrong. Saying I am God or I am, I am and my father and I will. God already said I'm simply repeating what he said. I don't have to pretend to be humble. That's not it. It's pretension. God already said it. I'm simply repeating what he said. And that's what Jesus told them when they were arguing. He said, was it not written in your Bible? Was it not written in the scripture that ye are God's? And you read the Bible. He was literally trying to preach and teach and let them see, I am not bluffing. You need to get this straight. I am God. You are looking at God. Stop looking for God. Amen. God is in IBM. God is in wherever you go. God is there. We are gods. It is the Bible. It is not a fact. It is not a makeup. It is not. It is a, the truth. Ye are gods. That, that's what he said. See, the problem is until we agree with it, until we believe it. So if someone should come and tell the eagle, you are the eagle. You are to soar. You're supposed to soar until the eagle believes it. Or it will be a chicken. That's why it is critical to remove every pretension of humility and believe what God says. Take God at his word. Say, we are God's. I am my when I believe that, it will begin to change some things in me. Absolutely. The moment I realize that I and my father were one, do you, do you know how Sasha and Maria, do you know, the moment they realize that the daughters of the president of the United States, do you know that there are some companies they can't keep? Nobody's going to teach them, you know, I mean, being children, you know, the, the regular learning and training at this but right there, there is something inside of their subconsciousness that gives them some level of confidence. There's something that changed the moment 
father became the president of the United States of America. By virtue of his status, the lives of those children were completely changed. Psychologically, emotionally, there was a transformation. And that's what God is looking to do now. As soon as we recognize God is not joking, it's not blabbing, this is the truth, and our faith is able to accommodate that, and we begin to dwell in that realm as sons and daughters of the living God. There's going to be some dramatic changes. Dramatic changes. They will happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, when Jesus discussed this, as we read in John chapter 8, we saw so many, and, and I don't want to go back to, to the, uh, the beginning of John chapter 8. I also mentioned something about the law, which is one of the things that seems to be plaguing us. Um, the story began with the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, and they wanted to stone, and Jesus you know, tried to teach them the truth about the law. Now, oh, yeah, she was caught in adultery. Okay, whoever has no sin, let him throw the first stone. Because that's what the Bible says. See, Jesus never would not do anything outside of what he has seen his father do or say. He keeps saying it. Because it was there in the, in the, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 19 how you're supposed to abjugate justice. Before you can condemn and stone anyone, it has to be two witnesses, two credible witnesses. Two people without sin who witnessed the, the alleged crime. They are the only one that will be able to credibly accuse, allege, and then condemn the so-called sinner. But over the years, you know, we never, again, the intention of God was not to kill. It's in the scripture. I do not delight in the death of sinners, but for them to be saved. So when he was giving those laws, to stone, to stone, guess what? God knew what he was doing. Who is going to do the stoning? A credible witness. Two credible witnesses at least. Who? Where are you going to find those? Not on earth. So God did not give those laws because people think, oh yeah, the law says they should kill. No. That wasn't the intention of God. The law was a schoolmaster. God knew that if you execute the law the way he has written it, no one will be stoned. Because there will be no one qualified enough on earth to do the stoning. Unfortunately, people of old never understood. And that's why God said, you know what? This is not going to work. Because they are not getting what I'm trying to do. Because people were actually stoning. Do you know some people are still stoning today? Cutting people's hand. And those of us that are not doing it physically, we're doing it logically. Why? We just don't understand the rema of the world. That's why Jesus said, the letter kill it. It is the spirit that gives life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirits and they are life. There has not been anywhere in the scripture where the intention of God was to kill. The intention of God has always been life. Life. The thief cometh to kill, 
to steal, and to destroy. I have come to do what? That's why he told them, you cannot be Abraham's children. Because you're trying to kill me. There is no killing in Abraham's DNA. How could you say you are Abraham's children? Say, well, we are God's children then. Oh, well, you cannot be God's children. Because if you are God's children, you will have love. You don't love me. How then could you claim you are God's children? Because like father, like son. God was never a killer. Abraham is not a killer. No. They are life givers. And so God is trying to show us all of this. And Jesus came to really, really give us this rhema. You know, because that's the intention of God. And it has not changed. From Genesis to Revelation. It has not changed. He's trying to show us. That God intended for us to be his sons and his daughter, and he has not changed his mind. And this is how you're going to know. This is how you're going to do it. That's why he's doing it, and he's showing us so that we can learn and do the same. And the first thing we need to learn is he made it clear, I am God's son. My father and I, we are one. And there is nothing I do except that which I see my father do. There is nothing I say except that which I see my father say. And that's why he said, my father and I were one. And so that oneness begins by us agreeing and again believing it. If I was brought to my village and someone told me, maybe I grew up and all of a sudden I didn't know my dad, my mom, and they told me you are, there. You are from the Okikans family. It's a royal family in my village. You know, you know, I, I'm gonna have to. I may have to struggle with that. You know, I say, how, how? You know, explain to me. But is there any other way? Anyone can explain anything or anything anyone can do other than for me to just believe what I have told. I was told. I was told I'm from this family. I'm from this royal family. You are the son of a king. Is there anything else that could be done for me to be sure? Or for me to believe? Same way. I don't know what else God will have to do for us to believe that we are God's sons and daughters. Other than to believe what he said. I don't know what proof or evidence anyone will say, you know, he or she needs in order to be convinced that you and God, you are one. Other than to believe. And that's why he was saying in John chapter 14, he said, believe me. Believe me. And if you cannot believe me, then believe because of these works. Remember the, the, um, the blind that Jesus healed? That they were saying, you know, uh, whether Jesus is, is, um, is a prophet or he said, well, I don't know. All I know, I was blind. And he said, well, are you also his disciple? I said, well, I don't know. But I know that anyone who is not God or a friend of God cannot do this. 
How can someone not be God or not a friend of God and make me see? When you know I was born blind. So there is no other argument. There is no other explaining. That's why Jesus said in John 14, he said, look, just believe me. I am he. I am he. And consistently he told us, as he was in the Father, he said, we are now in him. Which means, now we are God's. God is our Father, and we are the same with our Father. That's, that's what we have to do. It begins by just allowing the Spirit of God to plant that in our heart. You see, from the day I got that revelation, I've never ever in my life thought about sin. I didn't say um, I didn't sin. Worry about sin. Do you know why? The moment I realized I am God's son and I'm in God and God is in me, from that moment I knew he had total control. Even when I fell, I have no doubt that he's in control. I never worry about sin because I knew he has taken Sin is already forgiven. And in first John, he said, even if we sin, said this blood of his son, it cleanses us from all our sin. When you say that, so you are advocating for sin. What are you talking about? What if I'm it's already dealt with? Whether you sin now or you sin tomorrow, God already paid the price. As long as I'm his son. So let's talk about the consequences. I don't care. Do you know how many times my dad whooped me because I made a mistake? I, does that remove me from being his son? No. Fine. If there's consequences, the point is by establishing our authority in sonship. When I know I am God's son and my, I, 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 my father and I are the same, actually it does the opposite. There are some Yoruba adages uh, or saying, you know, that I don't know how to say it in English. And If I'm the son of a king, okay, if I'm the child of God, I, I mean, the way I carry myself is going to be dependent on that identity. That's why I say your identity will define your ideologies. And your ideologies define your choices. If I know I'm the son of God, there are ways that that affects 
I don't think as a, you know, I, I don't have that defeated attitude. I can't be thinking of the devil defeating me. I'm talking about the God, the creation of the universe being my father. It changes everything. It doesn't cause me to continue in sin. No, it actually removes me from sin. Because all of a sudden I'm seeing that I'm holy. But the emphasis here is we have to believe it before we can be it. We have to see it just the way he has said it. We have to receive it just the way he has said it. And now begin to see the manifestation. Because we are only afraid of the unknown. Why do we have to be paying the death we have not even owed? Why can't I just believe and let's see what happens? Because in believing, Jesus said, when you believe, I don't know if we, if we can go to that, uh, John 14, I believe. Um, see if I, I think it's John 14, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. John 14, uh, verse 11. Look at what Jesus says. Yeah, I think I, I, I love that in, in uh, message. He said, believe me. Again, believe me. I, I am in my Father. And my father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe that what you see. This works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things. Because I on my way to the father. And I'm giving you the same work to do. That I have been doing. You can count on it. From now on. Whatever you request along the lines of who I am. And what I am doing. I will do it. And this is the key right here. I and my father were one. I believe it. And. Jesus is saying, just believe in it. And if you cannot, why don't you just believe? Look around. See all these works. Only God can do it. Believe in the works. And I am now passing the same work unto you. Okay? So when you believe that you are the son of God, what do you think you will do? You will do the work of God. That's what he said to the Pharisees. If ye are Abraham's seed, you will do the works of Abraham. If you are God's son, then you will love me. And here is the practicality. Jesus is simply saying, do that. Okay, believe me that I and my father, we are one. You are in me, I am in you now. You are in God. And I'm passing to you the works that I was doing. So you can continue to do it. Why? Because if you are Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. This is how it plays out. Once I know that I and my father were one, I am God's son, I believe it, the next thing is it influences 
my thinking. It influences what I do. It is my yardstick. It is my parameter. It is my litmus test. The simple fact that I know I am the son of God and I'm going to be doing the work that Jesus was doing. What was the work that Jesus was doing? There are several things that Jesus did. You can sum it up in one. Life. Producing life. Everything Jesus did on earth was still the same thing God started from the beginning. Life. Did you not verbalize it? I have come so that you may have life. Everyone he touched, everyone he spoke to, everything he did, it was about life. The life of God being replicated. So if I I am, I am my father, I one. What do you think my work is now? Since Jesus said, he has passed that work unto me. Life, creating life. That's why he said the first Adam was giving life. But the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. We are life givers. And that's what God intended from the beginning. Jesus is a life giver. If Jesus is now in me and he has passed the works of God that he was doing unto me, what is my work? Life giving. Life giving. And how does that translate in my contemporary world? It means that everything I am doing, my goal is the life of God manifested. The life of God transferred. The life of God delivered. That's my package. That's my byproduct. If I go to work and I begin to, just literary now, and I begin to fight everyone at work, I see this one, I punch him in the nose. I see that one, I hit him on the head. What do you think is going to happen at some point? And if care is not taken, I will kill somebody. So when I, be, when I come to the realization of the father, I'm a child of God. You know that the last, <laughs> the last time I have a physical fight with someone was after I became born again. Yeah. Because I just realized as, as a son of God, how can I fight? And I used to be a fighter. You cannot have the last word. Oh, if we fight and you won, oh, you're in big trouble. We will fight that fight over and over until I win. Over and over. I will be challenging. Let's do it again. Yeah. But once I became born again, once I knew God as my Father, it changed. I could not lift my hand. I could not fight anymore. I could not hit anyone anymore. Because it keeps ringing in my mind. It keeps ringing in my heart that I'm the son of God. And, you know, in those days, you know, there are so many songs that really, you know, fix in how you want to be like Jesus. 
And so every time I'm provoked, I used to be a boxer. I used to be good at fighting. And all of a sudden, I don't have that appetite anymore. I don't. And that's just one out of many things that will change in our lives. The moment, that should change, I should say, in our lives. The moment we begin to comprehend what this means. And so that's why I'm saying that I don't necessarily buy the idea, you know, that I've had over the ages. And believe me, God has given me the opportunity to stand in front of his people for over 30 years. 1987 was the first time I stood to teach the congregation of God. And I've seen this in every churches that I've been. This epiphany is not real to most Christians. Not that they are not born again. No, 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 no. They're born again. We just still stay, we are still in that, you know, that veil is still there. And, and that's my prayer. That's, that's my prayer that God will help us to remove that veil. So that we believe this is not a fad. We are God's sons. We are God's daughter. And then Jesus emphatically told us that if you are my son, or if you are God's son now, there's one thing that is going to be ringing. It's love. It's called love. Love does not hate. Love does not hate. Love does not, you know, there are so many things. The moment you come to that understanding, it changes everything. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. That's why the Bible says love covereth a multitude of sin. So the plan of God to change the entire world is embedded in this thing. Knowing that we are God's sons and daughters. And beginning to acculturate ourselves to who we are and whose we are. Begin to learn those. How do we do that? Begin to learn Jesus. He said, I do nothing except that which I see my father do. I say nothing except that which I see my father say. You see, every time I used to go, I have to, sometimes I have to go back again and evaluate when I say something. Maybe at work. I have to go back and evaluate. Did I say that right? Should I have said that? No, because I'm always conscious of that. And I always use it as a yes. Would Jesus even say that? And the moment I realize that maybe I was too hard, I'm going to say sorry. I'm going to go back and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I think I was too hard. And it could be anything else. Why? Because I know whose I am. I know my father and I were one. And as a result of that, I have, you know, there is that thing in me, the spirit in me trying to comfort me, mold me into who my father is. Because my father likes son. There was a story of a young boy that I, I don't know, I've said this before, that was hawking oranges and he was trying to cross the rail and the bird and the rail crashed and there was a, uh, uh, the train was coming and there was someone very close by that ran to him took him you know across the rail and then had all of those oranges and put them back in the train and put it on his head and he looked up and he said are you Jesus? That's exactly we are supposed to be gods. Not supposed. We are gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that should be the manifestation. So that when I, everywhere I go, wherever 
Always been. And it's time now where we just come to the realization that you know what? What else do I need? What other proof do I need? What other convincing do I need to recognize that I am truly the son of the living God? That God is my father, and my father and I were one. And once I come to that agreement and I stop fighting and I stop rationalizing. so many things, and that's what is impeding on us believing, or living, you know, or just accepting and saying, you know what, that's what God said. Oh. I tell anybody, I am, I am righteous. Yeah, God said I'm the righteousness of God. Exactly. I am. I don't care what you say. I don't care what, no, that's what God said, and that's who I am. Do you think God didn't know sometimes That scripture that says, great peace have they that love their love because nothing shall offend them. The reason is because if, if you know, um, Christian, everywhere I've been, that has been my prayer. Yeah. 
It is not arrogance. It is not pride. It is simply what? Just have to believe it and let God use that epiphany to begin to mold our life. Amen. Amen. Let's let's uh, stand and praise. There's no question. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So my motivation every time I wake up, every day I wake up, is to the love of God. Yes. The realization that I'm the son of God, Ooh. that God loves me, yes. and, you know, is the motivation. It what you know motivates me. And everywhere I go, everything I do, I'm always conscious of the fact that I am not a killer. I cannot kill people's dreams. I cannot kill people's uh, you know uh, ambition. I produce life. You know, I infuse life. Bringing life into everything I touch, everyone I touch. Yeah. My motivation is love, and I'm producing life. So anything that I will do that will make me look like an illegitimate child, guess what? That consciousness it drives me back yes. to who I am. Yes. Let's talk to God. Let's just pray to God that God will help us right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, there's that chasm. You know, there's, that's, that's something that is always trying, you know, to deceive us, you know, to not think highly of ourselves. To not think too highly of ourselves and to not think arrogantly. To not say, you are God. Or you're the son of God. Or you and God are the same. You know. The Pharisees, they ask, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think? And that's what we Again, let the power of the Spirit pour this into my spirit that I am the Son of the living God. I am the daughter of the living God. My Father and I we are one. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I am the King. He is the King. I am my Father. I am in my Father and my Father is in me. That's what God said. God said it and I believe it. I would have seen a 
Offerings, and uh, we go ahead and uh, give our offering, and then we will say the grace before we leave. Um, let's just sing a song. If you can give us a song, more of you.